Welcome to the Single Parent Podcast. Whether you've been a single parent for a while now or have just started on your journey, the Single Parent Podcast is a safe place for single parents to get some great information and resources, hear the stories of fellow single parents, and connect with a strong and supportive community. We want to help you go from surviving to thriving. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Single Parent Podcast. We're back at it today with a wonderful story. And Christina is going to share with you who we have here today. Yes. So we had actually put a call out in our single moms group, Kaleo Collective, uh, and Haley answered the call. She very kindly stepped up to the plate. I think she was actually one of the first ones who who volunteered. And um, we, were, we were so excited because this this actually gives us an opportunity to like meet more moms in our in our group. So uh, Haley, thank you so much for for coming on the podcast today. And how would you tell us a little bit about how you became a single mom? Yeah, you know what? It's it's a story and I feel like for most single moms, most single parents, it really it really is, right? So I I will start out by saying like um I became a single mom not by choice and other people's choices um really influenced how it all went down. And so um after many many years of sort of an uphill climb in our marriage uh, my husband let me know like he probably would like a divorce and um, it was heartbreaking to me not only was I heartbroken about our family unit then changing so drastically I had just put so much time effort heartache into trying to keep it going and it just you can't make other people's choices (laughs) so Um, that was sort of the catalyst of things and really several other crises sort of followed suit. And, um, it was, I have to admit, I'm generally a very positive person, but I have to admit when I look back on that time, it was really a horrible time. (laughs) And finally just able to admit that to myself, that that was really awful. And it was indeed not only one crisis, but several at a time and be able to be sort of proud of how I walked that out, but be able to just say, holy cow, that was hard. Oh, for sure. And Mm -hmm. like hearing that part of your story, that's, that was me. That was me too. And, and becoming a single mom by choice. I don't want to say it makes it harder because it doesn't really becoming a single mom in any you know, capacity, whether it's your choice or not is, is difficult. Did you find that it was difficult for you to process your grief and support your kids at the same time? Cause I found that, I found that incredibly difficult. Yeah, absolutely. Because at heart, I just really want to be a really great mom. And I really had to face my grief big time because I had a belief and I will say that's really changed now because I'm a single mom and I'm still a really good mom, but I carried a belief that it wouldn't be as good if our family was in pieces. I sort of had to come to grips with that, that I even carried that belief in the first place because I really believe in hope and I really believe in making the best of things and all that. And so to just even realize I was carrying that belief with me. And then I sort of had to like dismantle that and support my kids and figuring this out. And um, 
it just was not easy. And I felt every time I wanted to make a positive decision, it just um, sort of came to bite me. I had one friend who just said to me, Haley, it's like you have a punching bag. And every time you go to punch, it just whacks you in the face instead. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's like that one of those ones true. that are like bottom heavy and you hit yeah. it and it comes right back at you like two times yeah. as hard. Every, yes. time, every time I thought, okay, this is how it's going to go. It just smack something else deeper, something else when I thought it couldn't possibly get worse. It did. Mm -hmm. It really did. And we went from not only getting a divorce, but also facing the loss of our home. And right. that was so hard. Not only did we sell our home and have to move, but like it went back to the bank losing it. Um, oh, wow. My kid's dad was no longer contributing to any payments and I couldn't do it on my own. I always sort of was the side income. And so financial crisis, marriage crisis, and the roof over our head crisis, all in one shot was a lot to handle. Jeez. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That is a lot. So I'm just curious, where, where did you go from there? Because it's like everything, it seems like just sort of like shattered on top of yeah. you. Did it you have some support? I'm like, crossing my fingers that you had some community or family support yes. so you weren't living under a bridge somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I had amazing support and I will say I have a pretty strong faith too. And I really feel like during that time, I don't know if I would have recognized it at the time. I think at the time I thought I was coping really, really well. But I think at you the do time, think that way, don't you? Yeah, You're right? like, yeah, this is going pretty yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think at the time, I just really was carried by everybody else. And that's what I needed. And I, like, my friends actually moved me. Um, I found a great place to rent. And I was so terrified. I had sort of believed that if my life wasn't together, nobody would rent me anything. <laughs> Yes. And it's so strange how I could carry these beliefs for myself. I would never want anyone around me to carry any of them. And I didn't even know I had some of them, but I felt almost like ashamed that this was happening to me. And I thought, who's going to even rent me? But you know what? It went flawless. A friend of a friend didn't find out. And sure enough, I did need to give up that home, but I never was without a home. Mm -hmm. And um, I will say like my support, like they just, they literally moved me. One of my good friends actually said to me one day sitting in her driveway, I'll never forget this moment. She sat and she said to me, honey, you got to move now. And I just remember thinking, I know, but I couldn't even make those plans. And before I could even spit that out, she said to me, we'll do it in two weeks. Do you want a Saturday or a Sunday? And I just bald like a baby that's exactly what I need I didn't have capacity to make one more decision I I couldn't make one more phone call I couldn't ask for the help and I was just so thankful that I had a network that just helped that didn't make me feel I was less than or or um anything like that that just like Haley this is a crisis and it's okay if you need some help so I did. I had so, so much help. Yeah. 
Oh, that makes so me happy. I got little yeah. goosebumps and my little hairs are sticking up on my arm. And yeah. I'm just like, I'm really grateful that you had that because when you're going through different crises, it can be really overwhelming. And then you just almost shut down. Like you were saying, like you couldn't make decisions Yeah. and there was no positive reframing at that point. It was just like, no. my life sucks and someone needs to do everything for me because I can't at this point. And I knew, I knew I would be okay. Mm -hmm. But what I didn't know going in is that I wouldn't be okay in the middle. I wasn't okay. I was not okay. And I feel like I sort of kept my head above water, I was able to support my kids as, as much as possible. But I wasn't okay. And I needed, I needed that support. I had a job at the time I was teaching preschool, and we always taught with a, a co teacher. And my colleagues at work who also grew to be my friends just said we got this show up in your body and we will carry this we we know it's hard and it was amazing it was just really amazing that I feel a, a, like I was a little bit of a ghost <laughs> sort of like walking mm -hmm. through the world a little bit mm -hmm. um but sure enough I made it and that's why I was so encouraged to come on here, just to say, like, I need it. And not only did we go through all those things, but in the end, my kid's dad, who's pretty uninvolved most of the time, chose that time to step up and wanted shared custody of our children. And I just was blown away by that. So I can deal with my house. I can deal with my divorce. I can deal with financial crisis and all the things. But like, really, my kids, like now I have to be without them half the time. I just, I think that's what tipped the scale for me. I just, I didn't know how that would work. So much of my identity was wrapped up in being a mom that I didn't even know how to take in that information never mind do something positive with it so that was really really hard too that just hearing your story I'm like holy crap that was me like hearing you saying like your identity is wrapped up in your children and having to be without them half the time and it's like well who am I outside of being like like in your case outside of being a teacher and outside of being a mom it's like who it you're really confronted with your identity when something like this happens especially when it is not your choice when you haven't kind of mentally prepared for that break and you're trying to process it at the same time i know for myself it's it's i mean i'm still working through it i'm 3 years past mine and I'm still working through who I am as a person and and that I mean Christina's seen me you know struggle and and grow and struggle and struggle <laughs> struggle and stuff but like have you found that um first off like how how long ago was that and have you come to a place now where you you know yourself a little better yeah absolutely so it was I moved about two and a half years ago so I would say that's really when it all sort of went down. Everything was divided and kids were divided. And um, I was thinking this morning as I was sort of processing, how can I tell this story? What's, you know, how's this actually going to go? And I thought, you know, what keep came, coming to my mind was my first night alone in my house. Mm -hmm. and I just went to bed and cried and cried yeah. and cried. And I didn't know I needed to cry that much. <laughs> 
And I was so tired. I didn't know that for living so many years in such a difficult way, I didn't know I was so exhausted. And so in grieving and coming through just crying, (laughs) I realized I actually need some recovery time here. And that the time alone for me began to be very healing instead of raw and painful. And um, I, I wouldn't even say in the beginning, I used it well in a sense of like, I didn't learn anything. I didn't even see a therapist at that time. I didn't, I, I laid on my couch when my kids weren't home. And it, there's this like ideal notion I had that I would do all the things uh, all the practical things when they weren't home. So then when they were home, I could just be with them. And I, I, I didn't, I literally didn't. I laid in my bed and on my couch and I, I went to work and that was it. Like my body, my brain, my emotions just needed rest. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't probably for six or eight months in, I realized that's what I was doing. <laughs> I had lots of thoughts of like, why do I feel so unmotivated? And why did, and once I realized actually this is called recovery, it, I gave myself just the grace to just have it. It's so hard to give us, give ourselves that grace, isn't it? I mean, Christina and I have talked Mm -hmm. quite a bit about, you know, giving yourself that time and it's okay to not be super productive when you don't have your children yeah. you know and it's so interesting like you just hear you talk I'm like holy crap am I like are we living the same life here yeah, Haley? I, I, <laughs> I kind of wonder about this but it like and and I know like it is hard to not have your kids and I know for for Christina you know she has her kids all the time like you don't get that reprieve Right, to recharge. That's too. Yeah. Those recovery moments too. And when you are recovering after a really hard split and not wanting that, I mean, something that I think about too is mom guilt. It's like you have this guilt inside of you that's like, I should be doing more than lying on my couch right now. But physically and mentally, that's all I have to give. Like there's nothing left to give in that. And I was actually watching a TED talk recently and it was all about unleashing mom guilt. And I was like, good word. It's so, it's so true though. And I, I totally understand that. Like when you're trying to recover and get to a place where you're able to like cognitively do things again, Hmm. it takes that time. Right. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think a lot of moms, they are, they fear face of judgment if they aren't doing all the things when realistically (laughs) you just can't like, you just can't at that point. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. I had so much mom guilt about everything. I felt like, well, if my kids come to my house and like, I just feel like I was processing and planning this in real time. I didn't have time to, beforehand to think, what would I structure our life? Like, how would it go? What is important to me? Where do my values lie here? Like, I just was doing it in real time. And so I feel like I did a lot of things that I was guilt, felt guilty about a lot of things. So like, I thought, well, if they come to my house and do chores, but if they don't want to do 
chores at their dad's, then they won't want to be here. Like the biggest malarkey. Yes. I know chores are good for kids. <laughs> yes. I know I want the help. Like I've always said, it takes a family to run a family. Like you can't, this is not a one woman show. And I, I know this is good for them. And somehow these crazy ideas that are like, just not true, sort of found their way, like creeping in and, you know, it took a bit to process and dismantle, like, as we went. And I used to say, um, you know, when kids would whine about helping my kids are teenagers now. Um, so oh, joy. Yeah. <laughs> See, yeah. You know, before when we were um, all together, um, they would, you know, whine about chores or whatever. And I would say, well, like, you have you live here like that's why you know kids are like why do I have to do the dishes <laughs> or whatever <laughs> well you live here and I felt like I'm gonna have to get a new mantra because somehow I believed well if I give them that that you can just choose not to live here then and just go where it's easy and I have been able to dismantle that but I bet it took about two years to do so and to have the confidence that I love my kids and they love me and we have a good thing going here and to say like they're not just going to jump ship over dishes <laughs> like that's silly and even if they did sort of feel like enough is enough I don't want to be here then that's it there's deeper issues there definitely that we would have to look at that I would want to look out and want to come to the surface because I want to have a great relationship with them and um yeah, so I felt really guilty about all kinds of things, chores and everything and anything, uh, partly just our space. When I moved, we're now, we were renting a main floor suite. So it's lovely and beautiful and a pretty good size, but there's not a lot of like space just to be on your own. <laughs> that's for sure. And yeah. so I felt really guilty about that. Like, like I can't give them like what I want or what they want or and I, I have had to spend a lot of time just dismantling that and say, like, that is fine. That is fine. And um, we've spent an awful lot of time together. We might not have um, otherwise. And so, you know, I hear what you're saying. Mom guilt is is so big. And um, even just this happening in the first place, I felt so guilty about that, um, even though if all the choices were up to me, it wouldn't have landed that way. So I don't know why I took that on as my own guilt when I wouldn't have chosen it. So yeah, I've had to process and work through a lot of, a lot of that too. It sounds like with, with your guilt, and I know, I know this is the case for me and I'm not sure if it's the case for you. It sounds like what you went through, your guilt was rooted in fear Yes. Because because you'd gone through a sudden loss, you know, he had decided to end the marriage and it was like, well, who am I going to lose next? What am I going to yeah. lose next? Because like I went through that process of the loss of the marriage and the home at the same time as well. Ours was a bit different. Ours was a home sale. We were already in the process of selling yeah. our home. But like I had to move just a couple months after the split happened, right? So, so processing all of that, it's, it's that, it sounds like it was a fear of 
more Absolutely. loss, right? Yeah. It's like if I do something, because you play that in your head, when somebody ends the marriage for you, you're like, well, what did I do? Did I do something wrong? I must have done something wrong because they left, right? You kind of take that on yourself. And then you start thinking, okay, well, you know, if, if I do this, am I going to lose my kids too? Am I going to lose this? Am I going to lose that? You know, and, and it's, it's awful, it's absolutely yeah. awful. And that took me a little while to realize, oh, this is fear-based. Like yeah. it's all rooted in fear, right? And did you find, and I'm not sure if you're still working through it, do you still find you're kind of still in a bit of fight or flight response? Because I know for me, I had to deal with a lot of like, because we did some custody switches Mm-hmm. afterwards and so it was like well what's the next crisis that I have to deal with or like I have to be ready for it otherwise it's all going to blow up like do you find you're still in that mindset or have you been able to break that a bit yeah I feel like I've been I have been able at this point to break that but I want to give just permission and hope for everyone else listening that that doesn't happen at the same time for everybody and that it took time it took way more time than I thought it would and you're right to just recognize that um, those things are fear-based and to step back. I spent a lot of time just looking at my own thought life, which was something I learned a lot about beforehand. I feel like in some ways I was like prepped for this already. Yeah. But just to notice when I start thinking things like that and to say, Oh, actually that's not the reality of what's happening here. And even to take it one step further and say, you know, how are those thoughts? Is that thinking trying to serve me in any way? And um, the conclusion I came to sounds similar to you in that actually that conclusion, uh, uh, you know, thinking is trying to save me from being heartbroken all over again. Yeah. So, to, I don't know, I, I, um, I, I tell us, I have since opened up coaching practice. So I tell some of my clients, this is like, can you make friends with that, those thoughts and talk to them and, and about that? And so I really did. And sounds a little cheesy, but it, it really works so well. And to just say, you know, I understand you're trying to save me from pain, but the outcome is not going to be that. So I'm safe here. I'm safe to do this. And it, it helped me sort of gain confidence in my decision-making to parent how I had always parented uh, because I am a good mom, a good parent. And to go back to that, like suddenly like living in this, like, oh, maybe I'll have less of my kids than I do now, or, you know, any of that is like, okay, that's trying to serve me, but it's not. And so um, to just sort of make friends enough with it to say, thank you. Yes. But I think, no. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. It's like, thank you brain for yeah. trying to like protect me here from, from whatever. Yeah. You can, you can back off now. It's yeah. fine. Just to remind, yeah, exactly. Like I actually would talk to my thinking and say, actually I'm safe to do this. And it was so helpful yeah. to me um, in just, getting back to, you know, like we said, we carry so much identity in our parenting and just getting back into the parent I wanted to be. And I knew that I was before it sort of seemed like it was all, I don't know, at stake somehow. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, and and you can't help 
but think that way because that that's what triggered it, right? It was such a trauma. And that's actually something that Christine and I have talked about previously on the podcast is I didn't realize what I went through was a trauma. Yeah. Right. And you yeah. grieve, you're grieving the loss of the relationship. You're grieving the loss of a friendship. You're grieving like you're, there's so much and you're grieving along with your children. Like it's just, yeah. it's too much to, yeah. to deal with. Right. And, um, the, the image I had in my brain, it sounds like it was similar for you is kind of, you're, you're in the middle of this giant ocean and all of a sudden it's like this lifeboat, of just everybody around you was just carrying you just for that time that you needed it. Right. Um, and I, I think Christina kind of went through that too. I know for you, for you, it was, it was your, your decision, but like you still went through quite a bit after that, didn't you? Oh yeah. I went through hell and back, but you can listen to my episode if you want to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) But it's so true. Like, you know, just because we make decisions that are hard doesn't mean that not the right decision like um yeah like and that is okay like I don't want to say that oh just because it wasn't my decision it was harder it just for me as I process it it felt like it was happening to me and that I didn't for the first time I couldn't stop it or change it and that's a lot to deal with actually (laughs) that I couldn't actually stop or change all the things. Right. And not having that control too. Right. I guess another question I have for you too, Haley, is when you were going through the thick of it, because you're a few years out now, Mm -hmm. what were some of the things that you were doing to help you get out of that funk or so to speak? I mean, that people go through because you seem like a really positive light now. And you seem like, you know, you said you started your own coaching practice. So Clearly you're doing well for yourself. How did you get there? Because people who are in the thick of it, they're like, I don't see how I'm supposed to like even finish this day at this point. Yeah, exactly. And so the first thing I'll say is yes, I'm a totally positive person. I'm a natural optimist. I was yes. that way before and I brought it into what I was doing, except I had days like that too. I had days where I couldn't cook supper. In the beginning, my friends were even feeding me because they're like, honey, you're not eating when you're by yourself. I'm like, I don't even know how. I don't like, I just sort of like, yes, brainless. Like, I don't know how to do this. Yes, I'll, <laughs> I'll eat an orange. I mean, it's like the least amount of effort that I like can put in here. Yes. Yeah, like I'm totally testimony. You can live for quite a while off popcorn and sour cream, cream and onion chips for a, quite a while, actually. Seriously, <laughs> are we the same person? Because those are like my go-to snacks okay we have to meet in person after I think this. So I feel like this is this needs to happen yeah, we see I see a friendship in the making here that's great so that is the first thing I would say is permission to um just do what you need to in the moment and for the day for the hour um I didn't really use this saying too much during this time but I have you know had people adopt the mantras, you can do anything for 15 minutes. And so the idea of, you know what, I feel like I can't get up, but I could get up for 15 minutes. I could be there for 15 minutes. I could stir that pot or put whatever for 15 minutes. Um, Because we really, really can. (laughs) And so I, I guess permission to rest. Like I said, I sat on my couch for a long time. And then to 
understand that it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be how you thought to be super great. And I really believe that everyone and anyone can love their life. It's okay to have a sad time. It's okay to have a hard time. In the end though, I know anyone going through this right now, I know what I know what I know, you will be okay. And it's okay to have a hard time, but you gotta get up again at some point and think, okay, now what? Now what? What am I gonna do with this? Um, it's okay to stay on the couch. It's not okay to live there forever. <laughs> because there's like so much amazing things before us that can happen and even though giant change can can flood your life you are still you you have I think intrinsic value you had before a divorce doesn't change that split custody doesn't change that someone else's opinion of you can never ever have a say there and those things that you were before will come back but we gotta get up even if it's for a short time even if it's for a little bit we gotta have those positive people in our lives we gotta talk to professionals talk to people who can help and encourage and um, support groups all the rest of it because there's so I don't know I just there's so much out there to be had yet it is not done this is a change it's not the end it's not the end and so i think what i needed to do and i was really lucky that i had had practice at this before in in looking at my own thoughts and thinking and stuff like that so once i decided how do i get up again here i knew sort of how to do that Um, But I think that's where it starts is the hope that it's not the end and you will be okay. And the decision then to start the journey to find that. And that makes all the difference. And it doesn't have to be perfect every day. It doesn't. Like there's days that, you know, we might feel like we're taking a step backwards or days that grief hits us again, but we don't need to stay there. No. Oh, I love that. that. I love that you said it's not the end. I'm like, no, it's just the beginning. This is better now. Trust me. You know what? Don't know until you know. Yes. (laughs) I was thinking the same thing. Like it it was running through my head. One of the things that I really dialed into after my split was music. I just, I I put together, it was actually a friend of mine and no joke. The first playlist I listened to was Divorce Party because (laughs) it was like, okay, well, there's some songs about breakup and it's like, okay, well, let's try and you know, change the mood a bit. I mean, there were some heavy metal songs on there that were just like, F you and all the rest yeah. of it. But um, one of the songs that was on there was Kelly Clarkson's What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Stronger. And there's one line in that song that gives me chills every time I hear it. And when you said it wasn't your end, there's a line in the song that says, the day you left was just my beginning. And that hits home for me every time I hear that song because it sounds like in, in both our cases, that that's what happened. It's like that ending was actually our beginning right so it was the beginning of you of discovering yourself and and who you are and I just I love that for you yeah I love that for you in many ways it was I like to use the word like rediscover because Mm -hmm. I feel like I was sort of 
on the road to these things anyway. Like my personality at root didn't change. I, you know, I'm not a changed person. My value didn't change at all, but I sort of had to like wake that up again after having such struggle for so many years previous and then um walking through all the crisis all at one time i sort of had to like wake that up again and say okay like what was i doing before and what is fun to me and you know what it was a lot of the same things that were fun before and um so i sort of had to just like step back into that and really, again, give myself permission to say, that's fine, that, you know, like, I had plans to start a coaching practice, before, like, three years ago. And I felt a little bit always like, I should be doing that, I should be doing that. And, but I wasn't ready. I, I wasn't ready to do that until recently. So just giving myself permission that this was like a pause or a hiccup, or, you know, a, a giant, like, reshuffle of everything but it wasn't the end of me by far. And um, I really like to look at what's going right. So um, what is good now? What is happening? What, what am I good at? What do I love to do? Um, and all those things were still there. They didn't go away. So yeah, I like that. One of the things I really love the best is my home because like there is a lot of pink in here <laughs> I know you guys can't see it but it is absolutely beautiful behind you she's got this beautiful painting behind her of these pink I think those are cherry blossoms yeah yeah I, yes. say, I think they're cherry blossoms because I like them and I was like staring at it the whole time I'm like those are pretty yeah <laughs> I love it I love it too and you know there's a little story there I, that's a really special painting to me um because I moved into this place and, and I knew I could make the best of it and all that stuff. It wasn't my choice and, and all that stuff. And there is this green carpet in here and I don't love green. I just don't. And, um, but a friend of mine was getting rid of this painting. She's, I think this might look good in your house. And it like pulls the whole thing together. It does. Cherry <laughs> blossoms with a green background and it, the tones match my carpet. And even though, in my opinion, it's not great carpet color. It's beautiful in the painting and it just ties everything together. And it's a reminder to me that it all comes together. And oh, I love what, that. what is around us, what we already have, it all brings everything. It will all come together. And so I feel like that painting just is, gives me a lot of hope just to know that, um, yeah, it really all works out and it all comes together in the end. I love that. I seriously love that. I've, I'm actually curious with with the the change that you've had, like now you you have a 50, it sounds like you have a 50-50 arrangement. Yeah. How has that been for you? Like I know you've mentioned like it's good to kind of discover yourself again. How was that transition from having your kids all the time to now not how how was that for you and how was that for your kids how are your kids doing with that so they're doing great they're doing great now um it was hard in the beginning though we had a lot of big emotions in this house for a long time and as you girls know it's hard to 
carry those emotions for your kids when you also have all the big emotions yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, and chuck in a little bit of like, like you said, like mom guilt or um, anger or resentment or like just sadness, like chuck in all the things. And it's not like the best formula. Um, so I would say I was a little bit of a basket case at the beginning. And I, I would never have admitted that at the time, but um, like I said, I thought I was doing really well. But if I look back now, I feel like I really didn't do a great of a job because I was processing at the same time. And what I did give my kids was love, stability, permission um, to love their dad. Um, and what I gave them was um, I chose to not fight their dad on it. And I knew that I was their main caregiver for all the whole rest of the time. And I just thought, how's this thing gonna work? And I tried not to be, I don't know, mean, <laughs> but at the same time I thought like, but he just doesn't know, like, how's this actually gonna go? Um, and I actually, at the time, really believed that it would have offered my children more stability had we had a different split. I wanted them to have a relationship with their dad. I didn't think a 50-50 was helpful to them. And, um, but what I realized really quickly was if, like, they were old enough, they, they knew what he wanted, and if I fought him on it, I wouldn't be fighting him. I would be fighting them. And I went through times where I thought he doesn't deserve them. <laughs> I really yeah. did because I thought, like, you've blown up our family. Like, you should yes. get that, right? And um, I really held those thoughts a lot. But what I, the conclusion I came to was maybe he does or doesn't. That's actually not up to me. But what I do know is they deserve their dad. They deserve to feel wanted. They deserve to feel loved. They deserve not to feel abandoned. They, they deserve all of those things. And so that really helped me in those first, you know, months and year maybe when my house was empty, I went back to that frame of thinking is that this is for them. And in some ways I feel like I kind of get the short end of the stick, but they are not. And what I feel like maybe I wouldn't ever be able to just put any, put like positive thinking around it. Oh, this is so great now. But what I could do was say, this is the best for them. And their yeah. dad wants them and want to give them full permission to go with that. Did you struggle when he had them for a week? Like thinking, does he even know what goes in their lunch? Does he even know like how to make sure they brush their teeth? Like, because I know when <laughs> went to their dad's, I'm like, I would call him like, oh, did you make sure you packed like these that actually won't eat this? And he's like, can you leave me alone? And yeah. I'm like, it's a control thing. Like it was. Yeah. I'm so used to being mom like that's yeah. my job and I feel like you're taking it from me yeah. but your mindset's amazing and the fact that you came to that so early on if more people could do that it would be great because 
yes, you're right. The kids are still benefiting from yeah. that 50, 50 split. Like they don't feel abandoned by either parent in this. They're getting yeah. equal time. And I think it's still like, I think they could still benefit from a different split. I actually do think that may have been easier on them, but mm-hmm. that he was asking for them half the time. I couldn't say, no, you can't have your dad half the time. I just couldn't. That- is that why he didn't want to pay too? Or like, cause you had said that he just stopped and then the house had to go away. So yeah. is that why he wanted 50, 50 or did he truly want 50, 50? Like that's my curious. Yeah. I want. 50/50. I have thought <laughs> that around in circles a hundred times in the end, I've decided the answer may not be important for me. What's important is my kids felt really wanted mm-hmm. and what his motivations were, were not up to me to um, decide or judge. Oh, that was a tough one. Um, yep. Judge that. That was really <laughs> tough. And the other thing I started practicing, I will say practicing, and I actually would say I'm still practicing. I am not a pro at this yet, but the more you practice things, the easier it gets um, to offer some grace for learning. Because yeah. I did all the things, all of them. So if he didn't know, rather than carrying like bitterness and anger and resentment towards that, well, you don't even know that whatever like has to take their medication. <laughs> I don't know, whatever is like grace for that. So that's a new habit for him. He didn't have it before. And so he is allowed to learn also. And that was a tough pill to swallow. Actually, it was really tough, but I actually would offer that to any human being trying something new. And I, I don't, I try not to use the words like he took them from me half the time, things like that. I probably have said those along the way. Um, but I sort of am conscious not to, um, what I really try to phrase it for my own thinking is he decided at that point to step up and be the best dad that he could be. And it like broke my heart, but my kids have a really involved dad now and they didn't have that as much before. Partly um, because just that's how we sort of structured things. And partly like, I really like what you said, Christina, about control. Like I ran that house how I thought everything should go. Um, um, Mom life. Yeah, right? (laughs) Yeah, and it was a bit like we sort of had traditional thinking as far as roles and things like that. So it sort of happened naturally, but I didn't want to let that control go. Um, And that was really hard to, to let it go. But the truth is, if I kept it, it didn't serve me whatsoever. In fact, it was hurting me. So they spent all my time when they're there thinking, well, like they won't do this and he doesn't even do that. And they'll, you know, come back and need a shower, like all the things. Yeah. It doesn't affect him whatsoever. Nothing that doesn't touch him whatsoever, but it does touch me. It does grow like resentment and bitterness and all the rest of it and then guess where that comes out comes out when my kids are back home so it's hurting me and it's hurting them and so I'm way better to just let that go and let him parent the best he can parent 
which is hard. It's so difficult. <laughs> it's it's so difficult to to do that because we, my ex and I actually tried 50-50 right off the bat. And what I ended up getting was like when they'd come back to me, I'd spend over half of my week dealing with all of the emotional fallout from the week before. And I'm thinking, this is kind of sucky for all three of us when they're with me. Cause I'm like, I don't feel like I'm having fun with my kids. I'm not, mm. I'm not feeling like I'm parenting. I was managing crises, crisis yeah. after crisis after crisis. And it wasn't, I didn't feel like I was parenting. I felt like I was just managing and totally in that like counselor type role that you fall into as a parent when you're helping your kids talk through emotions and things like that. And so like, that was one of the reasons I said, you know what, this is not working like it. And that's, that was one of the reasons I pushed for it. And, um, I knew, did you feel like with, with your ex and I, cause I've noticed this with mine and I'm curious if you're noticing it the same way um when you did have them the majority of the time do you feel that that gave him the space and freedom to do whatever it is he wanted so that when he was having the kids he could show up better for them because I find that that's the case with mine he's asking for more time now and I'm thinking yeah well of course you do because you're not in the trenches every day and you know yeah you feel like you have more capacity so did you did you feel like you having the kids more gave him that space to kind of turn into the more involved dad he is now um yeah so I would say it's before we split up that I really did have the main role in parenting and so even though we were all in the same house I still did all the things um and yeah, I think that he almost didn't have space and maybe I didn't allow space for him to parent the way he wanted to parent um, or at all sometimes. And so I do think that um, having time with his kids to figure that out has been really beneficial for him. And then also having the space is also really beneficial for him too. Um just like it's beneficial for us to refuel, re whatever. Um, I still feel like I sort of carry the, I don't know what it's sort of called, like the emotional bits and the planning and the, like I make all the appointments and I, you know, all that kind of stuff. I know what's happening all the time. And I, I tell my kids, you have them on a hundred percent of the time. Um, I think at this point, um, I'm probably not really shutting off when they're gone, um, totally. So, um, and I, I see that he has space to do that and probably does a better job of that than I do. Um, and I'm not saying one way is better or worse, but because there can be a real like refueling um, that can happen so that then, yeah, when the kids are with him, he has everything he needs to, uh, you know, have the best week with them. So I feel like in some ways I may be able to like learn from that <laughs> model of just like, this is my week off. Like I don't actually take much advantage as much advantage of that. So I feel like the answer is yes, but I don't, want to put sort of a judgment around whether that's a good or a bad thing and I think mm -hmm. his capacity for parenting 
is okay the way it is at because he does have the downtime and and stuff like that yeah especially in the beginning because he was learning a lot and <laughs> managing schedules and doing all the cooking is actually a really good cook way better cook than I am but yet I did all the cooking before so just the building in that doing these things every day and all that kind of stuff were things that I took care of so um he, there was a lot of learning that happened. So I feel like I needed a lot of recovery and probably he did too. And what I, what I didn't need recovery from so much was my week with the kids, but I feel like probably he did because I was all brand new. And so I'm sort of careful. I'm not always hundred percent great, but I am careful sort of not to chuck my own judgment on that also, if that makes sense. Oh, it totally does. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know I'm, and I have to say, like, it it is so beautiful seeing how much grace you have towards your situation (laughs) and towards him. Because I know for myself, like, I'm I'm about three years out. So about the same amount of time as, as you, give or take. And I, it looks like, and sounds like you are in a, like a way more harmonious place and at peace place. Because I still run into these things every once in a while where I'll hear something that goes on at his house. And in my head, I'm going, I'm trying to like bite my tongue and not not be judgmental because, you know, I know that he does things differently and control, right? It goes back to that control that Christina mentioned at the beginning of, you know, feeling a loss of that. And to a certain extent, I still feel like I'm trying to hold on. to some of that to some extent and it's like okay let's release the fingers relax the hands let it go and just just release it because it it's like you said it doesn't serve you and I just wanted to commend you for this headspace that you're in and um it can't have been easy to get there no and I will say that like I use the word like I practice these things because I'm still practicing um but I, I try to be purposeful because I have those thoughts too. I hear things that happen over there and I'm thinking. Oh, good. Okay. I'm not the only one. <laughs> but then it's like, what, what do you do with that then? Right. Do you sit and mull about it? Do you go complain to your friends or, you know, up and down the street or the whole entire playground at the park? What do you do with that then? And so it, it still is a very purposeful act for me to, sort of give grace and time for that it is not supernatural yet what i do know is that the more i practice that um the easier it gets and i sort of just use i just use the kids as my fuel so i just think what would happen for them if they had a completely empowered dad and how can i support that and that is good for them. That is really good for them. Um, do I agree with everything that that empowered dad is going to take and feel empowered to do? Probably not. <laughs> but, <laughs> I love how you're like, probably not instead of hell no. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. <clears throat> but I just know, like I use like what is best for them as my fuel. And I also feel like I can't, it's not serving anyone to complain and feel like I want things to happen different over there 
And sometimes I do. Sometimes I really do. But it doesn't make a difference in what happens there. It 100% doesn't. And in fact, if I speak up about it, it probably makes like a negative impact. Like, you know, like, well, for sure, that's not happening now. So um, it, it just, it doesn't serve. What does serve me is to give him what I would try to give any other parent trying to do this. And what I do see, and maybe not every parent has this that they can see in their co-parent, I actually do see a man who's trying. And even to spit that out sort of feels hard. <laughs> like oh, saying yeah. it out loud, it just, it's like, mm-hmm. ah, sort of. <laughs> 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 you guys, I'm practicing. But practice, I, practice. I do see that. And mm-hmm. in any capacity with any other human, I would do nothing but pat them on the back and tell them, actually, you can do this. You can do this. And be doing myself a disservice to not be myself. And to do the opposite in this relationship, I, it would only eat me alive. Um, but I will say, like, honestly, I am not perfect at this. I sort of take the approach of like, what would I really want? And how can I sort of purposefully do that step, little step by little step? I didn't wake up one day and say, oh, everything's fine. Like, <laughs> I like, wish. Yeah, like that I feel like would be almost like, you know, toxic, like, no, everything's not totally fine, but I can learn and practice um, being the kind of human I want to be and empowering. That's my kid's dad. I want the best for them. And what's best for them is having a dad who is allowed to be the best dad he can. I love that. I love that so much. Like just, yeah, the support an understanding that you have for that. And it sounds like, um, I struggled with this too, was this, this space of being angry and, and that it was like, it's, it goes against your inner nature to yeah. be like that. And it's, yeah. it's painful to process it. And it's painful to be in that state of mind for too long. I know yeah. I found that and it yeah. just, I didn't feel good. I felt ill and just like, at odds with myself and it's an it's a terrible feeling so like yeah. that that takes a lot of strength to you know combat that and and let that go and like I said earlier I'm just I'm just in awe of your you know your commitment to keep learning how how to do that um you know when she was saying it takes practice I was like yes practice makes progress and you're yes. doing just that and I applaud you for really establishing a really good co-parenting journey with the other parent, as much yeah. as it might be hard. I mean, your kids are thriving because of it. And yeah. it's so good to see. And I think one big takeaway too, for just listening to your story is if we can just get there sooner and not feel all those tough feelings for too long, like it's not to say that you can't yeah. have them forever. You're just going to live a better, more purposeful life. Yeah. Like if you just get there a little bit sooner and not feel so angry. Yeah. Inside. And that's the encouragement I would like to give. And, and I will say like, honestly, like you guys, I don't have this totally down, <laughs> but I would say, I feel like I'm sort of at the beginning of having a really healthy relationship, um, as in co-parenting, which 
even probably six months ago, I couldn't stay. And we still have times mm-hmm. and struggles that I'm like, this is the worst. But I feel like because I do have control over what I do on my end, it is a good beginning. And um, that's where it starts. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just like try. I always tell people to just try some experiment, experiment, see what happens if you, you know, try something different or whatever. And um, so like, I just want to give everyone listening some hope. Like it's not overnight. It's not whatever, but to, to just think what would, what would be ideal here and how can I, on my end without making that person be ideal, but how can I contribute to that? And um, yeah. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Haley, for coming and sharing your story. We know it's never an easy thing to do, but you handle it with such grace. And we just want to say we appreciate you. Yeah. Well, thank you. And thanks for the work you girls are doing. Like this is important work because I think so many single parents, uh, it's so easy to feel alone and, yes. um, in, and it, it's a spot for people to hop in and listen. And like, I felt that way too. And that that's normal and okay. And it doesn't make you an awful person or a terrible parent. It's just part of the process. And, um, chances are, if you felt it, someone else has to. And so, you girls are doing amazing, amazing work. I feel really proud of you. Oh, thank, thank you. you. That really means a lot. Thanks. Thank we appreciate that. It's it's certainly an honor for us to be able to listen to all of these stories and to, you know, connect with other single parents. And um, like I said earlier, I think I think you and I and we'll dial in Christina too because I'm an eternal optimist as well. So when you yes. said eternal optimist, I was like, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I might be slightly nauseating with my eternal optimism with Christina sometimes. She's like, Christina, just put a cork in it already. <laughs> I'm not yeah. a pessimist. I swear. You're a realist. <laughs> You're a realist. realist. I love I realist. you are a realist and I love that about you. So she's like the tempering yeah. on my optimism a bit. It can be a bit out there. But yeah, like Christina said, thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast today and um for our listeners out there. Please do subscribe to the podcast. Uh, if you'd like to leave a comment about Haley's story or any of the other ones that we have on the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, and please do let us know what your favorites are because we'll give you more of what of what you're asking for. Um, um, so like we said before, if you haven't subscribed yet, do it. Subscribe. Do it now. Do it now. <laughs> and uh, we'll catch you all in the next episode. You can find more great episodes featuring helpful information and amazing stories by searching Single Parent Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or visit www.lifesongfilms.com and click podcast. Thanks for joining us today. And remember, we're We're all in this together. together.